Welcome to Radio Hour. It's the extra hour in the week. It's the 169th hour. We added it in to add in extra special things that didn't fit into the schedule. And today being the first day of Recovery Month, which we're featuring extensively here on Phoenix FM, it is an ideal opportunity to fit in something special. On today's programme, we'll be talking with singer-songwriter Victoria Keating about her music and her recovery journey. Uh, That's all coming up. But first, let me give you some helplines in advance and maybe get a pen because I'm going to announce these at the end of the programme as well in about 55 minutes time. But I'll tell you that you can contact Alanon at alanon.ie, the National Family Support Network at fsn.ie, the RISE Foundation are available at risefoundation.ie and the HSE Drugs and Alcohol Helpline is available at 1-800-459-459. Before we get into today's interview, I'll introduce you to the music of Victoria Keating. This is a single that she released with her good friend and musician Anya O'Gorman and it's called The Poor Ground. It was released last winter and it focuses on the topic of the mother and baby homes and in particular the story from Tume. Have a listen to Anya O'Gorman and Victoria Keating, The Poor Ground. When I began to
haunting and chilling but a beautiful, beautiful song. The Poor Ground from Anya O'Gorman and today's guest, Victoria Keating. Just some signposts to things happening a little later on today here on Phoenix FM. And at three o'clock, we have a very special programme made by Ballymun Recovery. And you won't want to miss it. We've got uh, special programmes happening throughout the month of September. And they're being made in recovery groups across D15 and on our borders. And they are wonderful. And you want to have a listen to this coming up at three o'clock today. At 3.30, we'll be talking to Sinead Maloney. And it's all about a radio play that we'll be broadcasting here on September 17th. That's Culture Night and it'll broadcast at 6pm. And it comes from her group, which is Raid Recovery Through Art, Drama and Education. They're based in Dublin 8 and they're at raid.ie. Interview with Sinead coming up at 3.30 this afternoon. All these programmes will be at our Mixcloud, mixcloud.com forward slash 925 Phoenix FM. Now to today's interview on Radio Air, and I'm joined on the line from Ireland's real capital, Cork, by singer, songwriter, vocalist and musician, Victoria Keating. Hi Brian, how's it going? Hello from Cork. <laughs> um, good. Uh, how is the capital? Are you just looking after it for us? We certainly are. It's in great hands here. Um, Cork people, we, we we love, you know, being the cap- capital of Ireland down here, as you know, you know, Ireland, Ireland, Republic of Dublin and all that sort of stuff, you know. Did you just win the, the All-Ireland in the Hurling or something, or is in the All-Ireland? I can't remember. Um, do birds have wings? I honestly don't know anything. <laughs> kind of, that question would kind of land like a, a bird without wings. Um, so... You are a singer-songwriter from Cork, and we've had you on Phoenix here before with your good friend, Anya O'Gorman. Yeah. And um, The Poor Ground was the song that we interviewed you about, and we've been playing some of your other music and tracks. Um, and today we're talking about music and life and you and a recovery story as well, because you you have one. And I heard you on the two Norries podcast talking about this topic and kind of um, pumped me a bit because you're so honest and open about the story. Um, And I kind of feel that sometimes people have uh, these backstories and they want to be private about them, but you're very open and uh, full on about your backstory with regard to recovery. So tell us about your recovery journey. Ah, geez. Um, thanks for saying that about the openness, you know, because I think for myself as a recovering alcoholic, um, other people's honesty and openness have helped me enormously. You know, um, I guess briefly, I came into recovery on the 9th of May uh, 2010. Um, and uh, it was badly needed. I had a drinking problem that was out of control and had been out of control for quite a while. Um, and, um, you know, it's it's the, I won't go into the war stories. I'll just say that um, recovery and giving up, uh, giving up alcohol has been the best thing that I've ever done. Um, because I, f- I, f- I feel like um, I was 40 when I gave up the drink, you know, I'm, for, I'm 51 now. And um, I felt like I was 17 
you know I had I started drinking at 17 and I feel like my development as a human being <laughs> kind of stagnated somewhat I felt like I was 17 when I when I got sober and I hear that a lot in the rooms of AA you know um, I'm a member of AA and um, that's my recovery journey it's not for everybody everybody's recovery journey is different but um you know, AA is, is great for me. Um, but yeah, that I was definitely, you know, a 17 year old in a 40 year old woman's body and uh, didn't know what I was doing there for a while. And it takes a while to get sober. It's not just about giving up, you know, putting down the drink. It's about, um, it's about learning to live with yourself and learning to, to deal with life on life's terms and growing up and all the awful stuff that most of us would rather put off forever. <laughs> you know, um, my, uh, the impetus kind of crash landed itself into my life almost literally. And I had to do something about it. And um, I'm so glad that I did. I'll always be grateful for that. You know, if you kind of were 17, but you you know, at, you became 17 again at a later age and you've, you've lived your kind of 20s. Um, you're in your 20s now kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. is, is that kind of uh, a process that's hard to deal with itself or is it something that is a bonus and you can enjoy based on the recovery journey? It's a great question. Um, it's it's both of those things, actually. Um, sometimes it's horrifying when I, you know, in early recovery, for me, uh, this is not, I don't want to put anybody off. I want to encourage people if they think they have a problem or if people around them are telling them they have a problem to go and do something about it. But early recovery is hard. There's no two ways about it. You go from elation to uh, deep depression. Um, and it's just trying to find that that middle ground really is 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 as, as I get older and as, as I, you know, get more into my 20s. <laughs> Uh, heading for my 30s, um, sobrietarily speaking, I don't know if that's a word, but it gets a bit, um, it gets a bit easier uh, because it's hard being a 17 year old in a 40 year old woman's body. Um, things that I had to deal with like um, evictions, like um, having four kids and being a kid myself um, in terms of abdicating on responsibility, you know, in that way. Um, and having to deal with just, um, and, and then there's all that idea of unfulfilled potential uh, that really hit me as well, you know, and um, just the idea of time and passing and, and what have I done with my life? You know, here I am, I'm 40 and what the, what the hell have I done? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Um, no doubt everybody's journey is unique and different uh, to themselves. But for you, was it a turbulent uh, kind of stepping into recovery or was it all roses and bonuses from the from the get go? From the very get go, it was roses and bonuses. It was like a whole new world, you know, and um, uh, don't you dare close your eyes type of situation. But uh, very soon. Like I say, I got sober in the May. By the November, I was losing my mind um, because, because I wasn't able to accept life on life's terms. And I decided to go to, well, I was um, recommended by a friend of mine to go to a recovery um, centre, you know. 
Um, I went to Tabor Lodge, which is an, um, a residential uh, centre in Cork. Um, and I was assessed there and they recommended that I go in, but I didn't want to. I didn't want a residential. I thought my kids had been through enough uh, turmoil um, that I would go for something different. So um, and so so privileged to have the choice to do that. You know, um, there's a place called Arbor House where I went. It's uh, two mornings a week. You're in. It's a group situation. Uh, I did uh, three months of one on one therapy before I was allowed to go into the group um, because of other things going on, mental health issues and stuff. And uh, then I went to the group and did I, that's the first thing I ever finished in my life was that group therapy. I did the group for 12 weeks, uh, two mornings a week and then an aftercare. Oh, hello. <laughs> oh, that's a beautiful cat. Oh my goodness. We've been interrupted by a cat who... <laughs> thinks it's cat relax time when it's not it's work time it's interview time oh, uh, what's that's uh cory not to think which one it was hang on one second interruption over okay back on track uh tell us um recovery uh the the things that you learn uh there's probably some really good life lessons in it are, are they things that we all should be learning or are they bespoke to the recovery journey Oh, no, um, we should all be learning these things. You know, we should all be learning uh, coping skills. And um, like I imagine a school situation where the 12 steps of AA are, are um, uh, you know, above, like maybe in the half hour where religion is taught or the three hours a day where religion is taught or something, you know, um, do, do life skills, do... Uh, talking about your feelings, identifying your feelings, um, how to handle situations, how to deal, you know, with life, how to how to have an argument and come back from it, you know, with your best friend, how to, you know, change bloody tire in a car, um, like, and to ex, you know, and incorporate all of these very huge ideas into life from a very early age, you know, about about our feelings and. Uh, controlling our own experiences um oh what am I trying to say just uh, I suppose to bring it back to um resilience really isn't it you know that we all have this resilient part of ourselves that sometimes maybe it's disabled by events in our lives um and sometimes maybe the events in our lives kind of activate it um but to cultivate that part of ourselves where where we feel we can handle things, you know, and where we have confidence in our own abilities to deal with stress, for example, or, you know, um, and just know that, and this idea, the central to the AA uh, theme are, I guess, the steps and the program, as it's called, is this idea that there's a higher power, um, you know, that you are you just you have a higher power in your life and when I went into AA first because uh, I had two two goes <laughs> the first go I didn't hang around I said because I saw all the God stuff on the wall you know um you know let go and let God and uh, God God will will lead us and all not lead us but it's but when you replace that and it is replaced in the literature with a God of your own understanding um 
and like the higher power or your highest part of yourself or the universe or whatever resonates with you. And, you know, and, and just that idea that, that that's there. I think that's, that's lovely that there's also a spiritual aspect to life, not just mental, physical, and emotional. And I think we need all of these, you know, elements. If uh, it's fair to say that growth was stunted in addiction and then in recovery, there is this, opportunity for the growth to begin and flourish as a creative person have you found it to be hugely beneficial to your development as a musician as a songwriter as a singer oh there's no question there's no question I mean I would have been probably under the illusion like many people you know about the tortured artist I think Beethoven started all of that you know this idea of the tortured artist and you know the idea of romantic music being being made when things are dysfunctional and chaotic and you know your health is at stake and you know mentally speaking and you're you're pushing yourself to the edge of whatever your your psyche is you know I let other people do that now (laughs) if I want to if I want to explore the darkness of the psyche I'll uh, you know I listen to the doors you know I don't have to go there myself anymore Um, and I really don't buy into that idea of the tortured artist anymore I think you can be you can approach art and be creative in all areas of your life. You can be standing at the window washing up and be completely blown away by, you know, the particles of washing up liquid on your nails and the light coming through it. And, you know, um, well, you know, when you're not wearing rubber gloves, you know, uh, and using mild green fairy liquid, of course, but like, you know, um, I think that that idea is now redundant. Um, and I think also that it's a very male centric idea, you know, um, because we picture that, you know, the, I say that the tortured artist and I immediately, you know, came up with Beethoven. I can't think of a female tortured artist because she's not called a tortured artist. She's called a, you know, she's called a hysterical, crazy woman, you know, and uh, I don't buy into that idea, just like I don't buy into the tortured artist idea. I think everybody is crazy inside. You know, I think we all have crazy ideas. And when I say crazy, I don't mean that in a in a in a bad sense or a negative sense. I think we all have the potential to go anywhere in our minds. And I think that's okay. I think that's okay. Are you a more positive person in general? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you mean before I was drinking or like since I stopped? I, I did fear that would be kind of a redundant question, but no, like in, in, in recovery, like, is, is it something that the, it's a gift that keeps on giving? Mm. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. Because when, as a person in addiction, you are in a box, you know, and you're definitely in a box because you've, you know, when you give up drink or whatever the thing is, you're giving up one thing to have everything. When you're addiction, you're giving up everything to have this one thing. And you don't even realize it. It just happens by degrees and by degrees, like, you know, the, the, the lobster in the boiling water, you know, it's, 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 it's boiling all the time, but he doesn't know until he's being fried or whatever. And so you're in a box, but you don't realize until you put down that drink or whatever, that, you're, that there was this other box around you as well. And there's another box around that. And that the more and the longer you're sober. Um, and plus, recovery is not a linear thing either. There are 
you know, highs and lows, like in, like in all, I was going to say life forms, but you know what I mean? Like in, in every, it's, it's, it's not a linear thing. It's very much, um, it doesn't, but it is in some senses, because when you look back, when I look back, I can see the, the, you know, the progress that I've made, but I still subscribe to the idea that I'm sober for today only. And that I, this is a gift that I have today. And if I don't take a drink today, it's a gift that I will have tomorrow. And it reveals itself in so many wonderful ways. Um, there are things that I hadn't even imagined were possible or even thought about when I was drinking that have happened to me since I got sober. It's like you cut off a part of your consciousness to, to go deeply into a level that you don't know, you don't even realize you're inhabiting, if that makes any sense at all. Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned the tortured artist. Is yeah. there anything about your creative abilities that you have utilized as part of your recovery? So is, is, is it cathartic to write about it or is it just something you don't need to do or is it something you do do? Oh, yeah, it is something I do. I am... Um, um, I read somewhere once that your real life takes five years to catch up on your writing life. So what you're writing about now is possibly happened five years ago. So um, I, I wrote loads at the beginning, even just long, you know, as part of recovery, we had to write these letters to ourselves from various members of our family. It's not an, an exercise I want to repeat, I can tell you, but it's, but it just taps into that part of yourself, I suppose that's honest and that wants to reveal itself to the world, you know, and um, and it's definitely cathartic. I'm writing, I just finished a song um, about recovery, actually. Um, the songs before now were, were drinking, so, or not drinking songs, but songs about my experiences when I was drinking, you know. Um, and uh, so I, this is the first song actually I've written about recovery after, and that's 11 years later. <laughs> <laughs> so, so th there is that that catch up going on yeah. all all the while. Is uh, recovery good for mending relationships? It can be, yeah, it can be. Um, it's also good for ending relationships. Um, it's good for ending relationships with people who. It makes it very clear. It makes it very clear. Um, and then it's good for mending a relationship with yourself, <laughs> if that doesn't sound it with. Um, the, but the best things have been my relationship uh, with my kids. That's been the best part of it. And that keeps me accountable because um, I know if I drink again, that none of them will speak to me. So that's a big why, you know, <laughs> you need a big why in your life, don't you, for things that mean an awful lot to you. And uh, that's you know sometimes it's it's you know sometimes you think the bad times are the worst or oh, you know life is shit I'm going to turn to a drink or whatever it's it's often the good times when you feel like you want to celebrate life and you feel great that's sometimes when the idea of a drink will come into my mind and I fast forward the tape or sorry for people born after the 1970s um the uh, video no that's even worse <laughs> to live the cd the movie the, the youtube <laughs> oh, 
Jog on on your iPod there. <laughs> I never heard that one before, but I, I know that if, yeah, so I fast forward, I jog on my iPad to the place where my kids don't talk to me if I drink. And that's, that's just, that's, that's it. It's, it doesn't go beyond that, you know. You also have a new relationship with a date in the calendar. Uh, tell us about you've got this anniversary that you've now entered into your life, your sobriety anniversary. Yeah, sorry, I um, it, it was a. I was, I, was too, I was too coded in in how I introduced it, but it is oh, it, it May ninth. Yes, yeah, exactly, and that that birthday is um, more precious to me than my actual birthday my biological birthday uh because i i just it's um i'm just so grateful i'm so grateful uh to be sober you know it's 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 magic <laughs> um and it's not you know it, people talk about miracles and it, it's a miracle that i got sober um and that i've stayed sober this long um, that doesn't mean that I'll stay sober forever or anything, you know, um, all we have is today, but like the idea that that landmark is there and it's, it's growing year on year, it makes it harder to, you know, to say, ah, screw it. <laughs> I'm going to get langers. <laughs> it's awkward for you now. Um, but um, how, how do you celebrate it? Like example. Um, planted a tree last year, um, a cherry tree, because I love cherry blossoms. Um, my kids made me a cake <laughs> this year, <laughs> which is gorgeous. So I celebrated with them. Um, sometimes, you know, it's just, yeah, just spending time doing something, maybe going for a walk by myself in a beautiful place, that kind of thing, you know. Um, I always go to a meeting <laughs> on that day as well, no matter what day it is, even if it isn't, with, you know, I'd have regular meetings, but even if it isn't a regular day, oh God, we're such creatures of habit. Anyway, I go to a meeting that day, an AA meeting. Um, we are going to ask you for a song, but just before we do, could I ask you, is it important for you to be open, honest and airing this story? I know you said you, you got benefit from other people doing the same, but for you, it becomes your personal choice as to whether you do or don't. But tell me, like, what is it about you that wants to propagate this story? If it, first of all, it's kind of me, I suppose. I have to be honest. I ha it's, it's for me, for this al alcoholic. AA is a program of recovery and it's honesty. It's a, pro it's a program of honesty. You have to get honest with yourself first and uh, before you can, you know, really make any progress um and for me it's the only way I can do things I suppose I have you know um my kids know that you know and they don't they love me for that sometimes <laughs> um but uh yes I think I would be doing myself an injustice if I tried to hide it or shave off the bits of the story that I don't like um for me, if that story is out there, I'm held accountable now by many, many more people than are in my close, you know, my, 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 own, my own circle. And also, if it helps somebody else to think that, yeah, you know, 
um, she got sober. Jesus, if she got sober, I can do it. Do you know if if that if it works like that? Because I think our stories are so powerful, and I think sometimes we take them for granted, or we try we try to attain some kind of perfection. And you know, isn't everything great now? Sure, aren't I just marvelous? You know, for, and it's not like that at all. It's I think the more honesty and the more honest that we are with each other uh, in telling each other our stories, then the better chance we have to connect honestly with each other and meaningfully with each other. And that helps everything that helps that helps art, that helps uh, heart. You know, it helps us to all to feel better and to think better about each other and to put a better for what, yeah, to put a better energy out into the world. You know, we're lied to on so many levels by so many different people. We've been gaslit by whole sections of our society, our politicians, our, you know, our cultural icons. Um, just stop, lads, you know, just be honest. Let's all be as honest as we can and share our experience as honestly as we can. You mentioned a couple of things like the the anniversary and the streak and the number of years that that can continue on and also the relationships that you don't want to damage in the future. And you mentioned it there in in telling this story and being honest and open and public about it. Are, are they all things that you put in place to push back uh, the mm. chances of you kind of relinquishing to the addiction thing again? Absolutely. Absolutely. They're my, my safeties. They're my my codename cotton wool, <laughs> you know, um, I guess in, in opening myself up in that way, I'm also, uh, setting boundaries, um, and saying, this is where it stops now. You know, there'd be no wolves, you know, howling at my door. Um, and if they are, I'm going to say no, you know, I don't want to go back to running with wolves, you know, because uh, that's what I did, psychically speaking. Uh, I didn't care about my own safety, um, the safety of the people around me, um, the safety and welfare of my children, you know, and that's what addiction led me to. And that's what I'm trying to safeguard. And if that means uh, getting really honest about it, if that's what I need to do to stay sober, that's what I'm going to do. You know, I'm not going to, I don't want them to overpower me again. You know, I don't want to be overpowered in that way. It's a uh, world recovery month, 2021. It's the 1st of September. We're broadcasting this on the first day of, of the month. And I'm talking with singer songwriter, Victoria Keating uh, on the line from Cork. Um, music is hugely important. Um, it has touched you in oh so many ways in different parts and decades of your life. Uh, would you have a choice of music that you'd like to go to first, maybe to maybe give it a reason why you'd pick a tune? Yeah, um, I'd like to go to um, Radiohead, uh, Present Tense, from the album A Moon-Shaped Pool. I just love Radiohead so much. They're such a huge part of my musical imagination <laughs> um they're always there in that landscape um and that song present tense uh 
it's just, you know, it's written by a middle-aged man. I'm a middle-aged woman, you know. Um, I just think, you know, they're, they speak to me from a time perspective and from a musical perspective. It's a beautiful song, yeah. Let's have a listen to Radiohead.
sound of Radiohead, present tense choice of our guest, Victoria Keating, who is on the line and joins us again. Uh, great choice, great song. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll have another piece of music, maybe one of your own before we finish here today. So we've been covering the recovery journey and you and music. Tell us about your music career, because probably haven't done enough introducing you as to things that you've done and things that you want to do in the music space. So, so who is uh, Victoria Keating, the musician? What, what is it you've been doing? What are you going to be doing in the near future? Um, geez, I've always been singing. Um, I guess I've always been writing. I was writing actually before I was singing. Um, I, but fast forward to 2010 and um, I was asked to do a few gigs um, by a few people and I, I I said no because I thought it would be going back in the direction where I was trying to get away from in terms of going back into pubs I didn't feel I was ready to do that at the time um I met my current partner um Declan Sinnott at a gig in uh, a gig of his actually uh when I was sober a few months and um we've been together ever since and um we started he oh how did it happen he um asked me to sing backing vocals on a song that he was recording with christy moore uh, christy moore's uh, album and um he said look i'm gonna record it and if christy doesn't like it you know nothing will happen but if he does like it you know it'll be it'll be great and he loved it so i was basically the backing vocalist on I think the next four albums after that, and I got to sing live with them, um, and really had a you know a fantastic time uh, with them. Um, I've also sang on uh, two, uh, no, one of Dex's solo albums, and um, we toured together uh, really well. Um, also, we're, we're a great team, and. Um, you know, he's had a huge musical influence on me as well, you know, and um, then I started uh, bringing my own um, music um, into the mix. And um, like I'd just been constantly writing, basically, since I was a teenager. Actually, no, I had a pub poem published when I was seven in the paper. But um, yeah, so we started working together in a band situation and then just... We did a few gigs. It was really, really great um, with uh, Anya Gorman and Jamie Kelly and Martin Leahy, a drummer and writer, producer. He's amazing. Um, so then the band fell apart. Uh, just life and the, you know, we're not in our 20s anymore. Uh, just trying to keep that, that you know, that momentum going. It's not, it wasn't possible for us, unfortunately. So, um, but I've been writing the last couple of years uh with Anya uh, O'Gorman and we had um, a song out, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, The Poor Ground um, in November as a reaction to the mother and baby home um, situation there when they were trying to seal the bloody papers. I've also released my first solo single uh, in February this year uh, called Little Rooms. Um, you're the first person to play that. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, on Phoenix, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I'm writing, we, myself and Anya were writing this morning together, actually. 
we're trying to do a we're motivating each other to write a song a week for the whole of September um we we work really well together we've written a, a song about the perimenopause <laughs> and um also myself and deck have a single coming out uh in two weeks time on our 10th no on our 11th anniversary um it's a reimagining of a joe jackson song um and uh also, I sing and play a lot with um, a very good friend of mine, Mark Wilkins. He's a multi-instrumentalist uh, composer um, and cranky contrarian, which I love. <laughs> and um, he, uh, we work really, really well together. I love, I love collaborating with people. I have, a, oh yeah, I have a show on, on Facebook every Friday night <laughs> uh, at eight pm called Little Rooms Big Music, and just kind of express myself I had to learn guitar very quickly um and I did very you know it's kind of a fetlocks blowing in the breeze kind of playing but I am I'm getting better and I'll have guests I have guests on now for the whole of September um and uh you know it's a bit of madcap and a bit of banter which I absolutely love connecting with people um and I read things and I'm going to develop that into a live show that I'm going to like tour the world with me and, <laughs> and stuff. Um, and I'll be developing that in the, T the Triscal Development Centre in Cork. Um, yeah, so myself and Mark are hopefully going to be pursuing that. And I'll always sing with Dick, you know, we work yeah. well together. It's, it's amazing. Um, You've come through the pandemic, but you weren't inactive during it you were writing songs releasing songs you were getting gigs in where there was no audience I think you were in yeah. Middleton and you were in the in Cove was it the serious the first fruits art centre in Watergrass Hill that was a beautiful week uh, so so you're not kind of hiding behind the lockdown and doing nothing you're using that time to experiment resonate off people the the friday night concert thing is your kind of communion with people your brethren you're kind of reaching out and okay it's virtual but you, you yeah. can you get feedback yeah i really do and i love it and i i can see everybody's faces there you know when when i see all you know the names coming up on the screen and it's people coming back watching and it's not huge numbers or anything but it just means so much to me to have this space i'm so grateful for it and so thankful to people who who stay with me on it and come back and have the crack and leave comments and ask for songs and you know suggest uh readings and all of that it's it's absolutely wonderful you know? and they're everywhere they're like australia uh yeah. uk france yeah. Uh, Denmark, Denmark. <laughs> yeah it's amazing it's really amazing you know and I think that going back to live that would be a huge part of it the online thing I really want to keep that part I want to have that connection I don't know if I could gig now without saying hello to you know <laughs> Brian Green in Dublin and to Rob Steinman in Denmark and to you know it's just fantastic I love it Maybe it it will have to become part of the the new live. Is that yeah? There's people who couldn't be here who are connected online, and they're as much part of the show as everyone else who got to be in the room. 
Absolutely, yeah, totally. Because you know, I think I think music business is so exclusive. Anyway, you know, I like you know we have a certain kind of it's it can be so bloody snobby and up its own whole pardon the expression but we have a certain um i think we have a duty you know as as we're entertainers as well as artists and those things are not you know mutually exclusive you know i think that should that you know the artists shouldn't turn their nose up at entertainment and and uh you know the entertainers shouldn't be going oh the only artists anyway like you know yeah but it's it's i think we can we can live with the two worlds and in the two worlds and you know this idea that uh somebody from wherever can just tune in and and be there with us and enjoy the space, even if it's a virtual one, it's it's it is a whole new world. <laughs> you know, we're, we're going to take another track in a second, but maybe just one more question. Uh, kind of mixing the music with the recovery. You mentioned cancelling or not accepting gigs in 2010 because you were very unsure of the space and the safety of going into the Irish kind of live setting of. Uh, bars and pubs and things uh, is there something that you could kind of tell us about how you solved that problem with regard to because it's endemic with uh, Irish culture yeah. is pubs and alcohol and drink and going out and all that it hasn't gone away well actually it has gone away because of the pandemic it, it, it'll come back and might come back with, with more than a bang um, yeah. what, what was it that you kind of um kind of what resolved that problem for you what that made you be able to get into that safety space and I'm thinking of you said you were kind of back in singing and touring with Christian Moore and his group is was there safety that was learned through those guys definitely absolutely that was hugely important and that's another great question um I just felt so safe um it's no secret that Christy is also um you know he's a recovering alcoholic he's sober for many many years um 31 32 I think and um he the whole team around him are just you know there's no alcohol generally in the venues except for Vicar Street there's there's alcohol and you can bring you know but um so you know I would have gone to many many gigs where I wasn't singing with them I was just an audience member and like they do a different set every night um it's it's incredible um thing to watch there's no set list you know Christy just comes on and, and tears into a song and everybody goes with him and, and it goes in whatever direction it's going to go and I, I love that it's like a renewal every every single night you could it's a different set you know he's got so many songs um you know he's our, our national bard you know he's our he's a national treasure I without sounding without wanting to sound anyway weird about that but um yeah that safety that is there it, it also enabled me to um, go back into pubs myself on my own terms. I'd get a coffee or I'd get a tea or, you know, and, and, and an awful lot of pubs have a great coffee machine in there now or get a sparkling water if it's really going badly, you know. Um, Is that empowering? Because I could imagine if, if, if you couldn't do that, it would be a place I can't go and other people can. Is exactly. it empowering to be able to get to that point where you can do that? It's really empowering. It's really empowering to see people drinking pints or whatever and to not even have a notion um, just because 
because um, I suppose for myself, I made it a different space. It's not about drink anymore. It's about being creative. It's about doing something I love in a space that, yes, there is drinking going on um, and a lot more than drink, <laughs> let me tell you. But um, there's also other things going on. You know, there are uh, like I was in the Gables pub the other night with Mark after the Friday night. Um, they're on Douglas Street in Cork and they have a fantastic coffee machine. Sylvia made us fantastic coffee. You know, um, it was just I I can't describe that feeling, you know, to be in there. It, it's not a feeling of superiority. It's just a feeling of oneness. You can enjoy what's going on without having to partake in everything that's there. I suppose if you're not eating sweets, you can still have, you know, your main course. You don't have to have your dessert, you know. And not that I view alcohol as a dessert, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Getting into date. Uh, absolutely. Maybe <laughs> to conclude, and we are going to play out with a, a song. I think it's going to be one of your own. Um, maybe on the first day of World Recovery Month, that is September 2020. Have you got a message personal this is on the spot now I'm putting on the spot have you got a message for people listening to kind of just you know tell them you know whatever it is you want to say when I was drinking um I didn't realize it but I had no freedom I had no choice and consequently I had no voice I had no voice in my everyday life in terms of I had no agency or very little agency when I gave up when I put down the drink, just that one thing, all of that came back into my life. I can jump into my car like I did yesterday and the day before, off down to the Sheep's Head, off down to Guganbara. Freedom. Uh, the choice, I can make the choice every day. It's my choice to stay sober. Nobody's going to make me do it, but I choose it because of the benefits. Uh, like my life has opened up like a flower, you know, like the like a flower. It's a flower of sobriety. And I have my voice back. And I think, you know, having a voice and having agency in your own life is the most important thing, the most important thing for me. And I mean, even if you don't have a higher power and you don't think, do it for the people in Kabul, do it for the people in Palestine, you know, do it for the people, the survivors of the mother and baby homes who had no voice and no choice, no agency for so long. It's the most powerful thing we have. We need to own it and we need to use it. Strong words. Uh, so to conclude, you're going to pick a song of your own, I think. So let us know what are we going to hear? Um, if I could pick the new single, be very. Uh, <laughs> um, is that OK to do that? Yeah, it, it, this hasn't been played anywhere, has it? No. <laughs> OK, so, so shout it out and we'll roll it in in a second. What is it? It's um, Joe Jackson. Uh, is she really going out with him? Um, Except it's not Joe Jackson. No, it's myself, Victoria Keating and Declan Sinnott. <laughs> um, definitely partners in crime on this one. <laughs> okay, a bit of an exclusive. We'll go to that in a second. Let me just thank you for your time today and for opening up with your story and telling us here on the radio all about it. Victoria Keating, singer-songwriter. Uh, where can people catch you online where can people find out more uh bandcamp uh victoria keating on bandcamp um facebook i'm on little rooms big music every friday night at 8 p.m um victoria keating music um at gmail.com if you want to get in touch about anything um uh yeah that's it i think okay 
thank you very much for your time. And as mentioned, the new single from Victoria Keating with Declan Sinnott. Is she really going out with him? Thanks so much, Brian. It's been my absolute pleasure and privilege. Thank you. Pretty women out walking with gorillas down my street
Radio Hour's guest today, Victoria Keating with Declan Sinnott and their new single, Is She Really Going Out With Him? Just time to tell you the HSE Drugs and Alcohol Helpline is 1-800-459-459 and you can also visit the National Family Support Network. It's at fsn.ie. This has been Radio Hour. We're back at the same time next Wednesday at 2pm. Until then, have a great week, everybody. And Recovery Month continues across September on Phoenix FM. Good afternoon.